My name is Herb Montgomery, and I'm the director of Renewed Heart Ministries. We are a not-for-profit group that is passionate about rediscovering, following, and helping others rediscover the teachings and sayings of the historical Jesus of Nazareth. We believe that these teachings have an intrinsic value in informing the work of nonviolently confronting, liberating, and transforming our world into a safe, more just, more compassionate home for us all. If you would like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, I'll tell you how you can do so at the end of this podcast. For now, we simply want to thank you for listening. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 177 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. I also want to thank everyone for their patience as we get started this week. Over the last two or three weeks, we've kind of been MIA uh, due to all of the flooding that has taken place here in uh, Greenbrier County in West Virginia. Um, well, things are stable now. The, the The road to recovery is going to be be long. Up until now, we've it's been a race against time for, for many of the folks we were helping out, um, just racing against uh, mold setting in and and further damage to their to their property. So, uh, but but again, things are becoming a little bit more stable. Um, roads are, are are being well; they are mostly uh, back in order, except for their gravel now instead of where they used to be pavement. Um, things look still a little. It's going to be a long road before things ever return back to uh, what they were before the flooding. Um, And for those of you who have been helping out with donating to well, Renewed Heart Ministries, Flood West Virginia Flood Relief Fund. Uh, thank you so much. We're somewhere, uh, the accounting is still being done, we're somewhere between about $2,500 and $3,000 so far to be able to to help out. And, and for those of you who, who are interested in giving, 100% of your donation uh, goes straight to local victims here that, that we are uh, in the area beside. And um, if you mark your donation, that's important. Uh, you can do it online, uh, go to our store, and in the store purchase uh, flood relief. That's the way it can be. We can make sure it's marked that way. If you mail in a, a contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries, just make sure you mark it in the memo, uh, West Virginia Flood Relief, so we can make sure that none of those funds goes to uh, operations at Renewed Heart Ministries, but goes directly toward uh, the, the flood victims. And, and again, for those of you who have sent uh, contributions and help, thank you so much. I want to also give give a shout out to uh, Bruce and Rita Engen. They drove all the way over from uh, the other side of Virginia and spent two days here. We were up in Richwood, West Virginia, cleaning out homes and just working our tails off to, to help the, the, the those who are affected by the flood uh, up in that area. Um, just thank you guys so much. Thanks, thank you to everyone who's been helping West Virginia at, at this time. As, as John F. Kennedy said, the, the, the sun does not always shine in West Virginia, but but the people always do. Our title this week is uh, from Sayings Gospel Q, Workers for the Harvest. Our feature text is Sayings Gospel Q 10, verse 2. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest to dispatch workers into his harvest. Our, our companion text are Luke 10, 1 through 2. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every 
every town and place where he was about to go, and he told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Matthew nine thirty-five through 38 Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And even Gospel of Thomas 73, Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but there are few workers, but beg the Lord that he may send workers into into the harvest. So let's talk about this ripe harvest and the absence of laborers first. The image of a plentiful harvest and and few laborers to reap it would have spoken volumes to the audience that that Jesus's teachings resonated with. And that audience uh, would have been indentured farmers who 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 now found themselves being little more than indentured slaves. They they had used uh, they were used they used to have uh, actually own the land, uh, but now they labored hard just to survive, just to scratch by from day to day on on land that now belonged to their wealthy creditors. Uh, They had defaulted on loans and now it belonged to to, uh, those who had loaned them money. And and it's been said that that you can't force a revolution. All one can do is be ready and prepared for one. And the Jewish societies of first century Galilee and Judea, they were brimming, they were boiling with the spirit of, of of even sometimes violent revolution, and things were about to boil over. The poor were becoming more and more exploited. Uh, the indentured farmers were becoming more and more enslaved. The, the laboring class was becoming more and more oppressed by by a wealthy aristocracy. And, and political oppression from the Romans, combined with the economic oppression from the Jewish aristocracy in the temple, uh, especially the temple class, it was about to reach its limit. The Jewish Roman War of 66 to 69 CE, I think is evidence of this. This war didn't just happen out of thin air. There, there was a long and slow buildup that finally erupted, and the horrific outcome was the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 CE. Jesus' saying this week, I think, is best understood with this historical backdrop. His efforts in Sang's Gospel Q were designed to avert a failed revolution and and uh, the Roman backlash that, that uh, everyone— well, he felt was sure to come. And just like Hillel before him, Jesus was endeavoring to present a nonviolent revolution of of restorative and transformative justice in the place of of divisive and violent revolution and and the spirit of retribution that was growing in popularity at that time. So revolution was brewing and the harvest was ripe, but finding those who understood the larger picture of what would result and how to avert catastrophe catastrophe, that was the challenge. The the numbers of those who sought out and taught the kind of revolution that Jesus taught were few. And according to this week's saying, um, um, there was an urgency uh, for for those laborers to be found. This different revolution was centered in, if you can remember from from weeks past, uh, wealth redistribution, uh, resource sharing, mutual aid, uh, nonviolent enemy confrontation. 
transformation and enemy transformation, uh, restitution as a, a response to past injuries, and uh, the restoration of justice to those who who presently were being oppressed. And it was rooted in uh, the wealthy forgiving or canceling debts and, and the poor laboring class uh, taking care of the sick and, and sharing food with each other. In short, if it was embraced, it was a way of ordering society that would have revolutionized Jewish society as well as threatened uh, the Roman way of life to its core. The societal elements uh, in Jesus's day were ripe for this kind of harvest, but the workers, those who would labor uh, for a revolution that was characterized by these elements, uh, were few. And let's talk about uh, this saying in, va- in its various gospels as well. The fact that this saying survived to be included in the more platonic, introspective gospel of Thomas is, is significant. The, the statement has an urgency, even when removed from its Jerusalem context. And the gospel of Matthew, which is the first we know to have included this saying, it situates it in a a more sympathetic, compassionate context. Jesus is traversing the countryside, teaching and healing and and seeing the crowds. He views the people as harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, it says, and and, and more violent shepherds would surface in the coming years to fill that vacuum. And, And I can't help but believe that Jesus understood the social dynamics in play and longed to, to save the, the sheep from, from being slaughtered. And Luke takes this saying and places it in, in the context of, of Jesus actually appointing and sending out 72 promoters or campaigners, if you will, that would engage communities ahead of his arrival as, as he continued to travel and teach. And these 72 campaigners would have been those who had already uh, bought into the kind of society that uh, envisioned in Jesus's stump speeches, so to speak. And, and later, uh, the, the, the same uh, elements that were written down in Sang's Gospel Q. And as we've shared in, in previous weeks too, the sayings in Sang's Gospel Q, they later became Matthew's Sermon on the Mount and, and Luke's Sermon on the Plain. Uh, Matthew either expounds upon them or Luke um, um, minimalizes them, but, but they, they're the foundation of, of those two sermons. Let's also talk about uh, a revolution here in America that that people feel coming that it is coming that that uh, some people have have labeled uh, a second American revolution in our day. There are those that believe a, a second revolution is on its way, and from those like George Orwell to those in more contemporary uh, countercultural movements, some point to ever worsening polls and and people's growing contempt for their government right now as as signs of this. And the rumblings of our society, it suggests that that a growing number of people are ripening for another American revolution. And it's not so far-fetched if you if you actually look at the statistics. So as as with all revolutions, we have choices. We have an opportunity to shape what our revolution will look like. Could our society benefit in any way from a revolution 2,000 years ago that was characterized by some of the values and elements uh, that the Jesus of of Sang's Gospel Q offered? Uh, Things like voluntary wealth redistribution, uh, resource sharing, 
mutual aid, a nonviolent enemy confrontation and, and transformation and restitution as a, a response to past injustices. And, and as we said earlier, the restoration of, of justice to those presently being oppressed. And could this be a, revela- a revolution uh, that we could live with? We could have a revolution where the wealthy choose to forgive or cancel the debts of poor debtors. We could have a, a revolution where uh, society uh, takes care of the sick together and ensures that there's enough for everyone. We, we could have a safer, more compassionate, just world for us all. And this kind of revolution could begin in the hearts of humanity, uh, allowing us to perceive one another and embrace our interconnectedness and our, our interdependence. It would transform our society from the inside out. And the reality is that it would also threaten our social elite classes. And remember, it could not be accomplished simply by replacing one hegemony uh, with another. John Lennon wrote, you can say I'm just a dreamer, uh, but I'm not the only one. There, there have been others in every generation, especially from the marginalized and the subjugated classes that have envisioned uh, this kind of society and worked to garnish support to experiment with what a society like this could, could look like. Even theologians who, who too often have benefited in societies of oppression, uh, they're, they're also opening up to a different lens. Christians specifically are waking up to a whole new and more historically accurate, I believe, way of, of reading the Jesus story itself. Gustavo Gutierrez, in his 15th anniversary edition of A a Theology of Liberation, he states quite correctly, Black, Hispanic, and Amerindian theologians in the United States, theologies arising from the complex context of Africa and Asia and South Pacific, and the especially fruitful thinking of those who have adopted the feminist perspective, all these have meant that for the first time in many centuries, theology is being done outside the customary European, North American centers. The result in the so-called first world has been a new kind of dialogue between traditional thinking and new thinking. In addition, outside the Christian sphere, efforts are underway to develop liberation theologies from Jewish and Muslim perspectives. And and, and where might, uh, for us this week, where might this revolution begin today, right now? Uh, perhaps it's with a simple choice from, from each of us that we can can embrace a way of life where people take responsibility for taking care of each other as as people taking care of people. This is what we've witnessed here in in West Virginia in the wake of of the flood and and this seems to me to be the root that if really perceived and embraced it could threaten the whole domination structure. And today a harvest is ripening and unlike Jesus is saying there are many laborers already teaching values that and they have been for years that parallel and sometimes even center in the values and ethics found in the sayings of Jesus in Q. And some of these laborers are within Christianity, but quite a few of them are not. And it is this universal set of values that that Jesus also taught that that we must begin to recognize. And may it not be said of those who who do long for more holistic changes and and have learned to recognize that universal set of values. May it not be said of us, the the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Heart 
group application this week. Often our texts this week are used to refer to evangelistic efforts within a, a Christian religious context where people labor to win as many converts as possible to one's own religious beliefs. And what does it begin to look like for you to take these texts out of that context and place them back in within the revolutionary world of the first century? Number one, what what changes uh, are made to this switching of the context? I actually want you to write them down, make a list. And then number two, share with your heart group uh, uh, which changes you feel are the most profound to you personally and discuss together the practical difference that, that paradigm shifts such as these uh, could make in understanding the Jesus story. And number three, individually consider uh, what these changes mean for you. Uh, then as a group, I want you to brainstorm how you can support one another as each of you lean more deeply into uh, these changes. So to each of you out there who are laboring for change, you're not alone. Keep living out those values, living in love, setting in motion a, a different tomorrow. In the words of, of the late Howard Zinn, what really matters are the countless small deeds of unknown people that lay the basis for the events of human history. These are the people who have made change in the past. They are responsible for making change in the future, too. And that's quoted in the documentary Requiem for the American Dream. Uh, Till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns. Thank you once again for joining us this week. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. once again for listening. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries, even our our many educational events that we do in various venues is for free. If you'd like to support our work, you can make a one-time gift or become one of our monthly contributors by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking on the Donate tab on the top right. Or you can mail your contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24901. And make sure you also sign up for our free resources. And remember, every little bit helps. And and as always, anything that we receive over and above our annual budget, we happily give away to other not-for-profits who are are making both systemic and personal differences and significant differences in the lives of those who are not presently benefited by the status quo. And to those of you who are already supporting the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, thank you so much. Your generous support makes it possible for us to exist and to continue being a presence for positive change in our world. So with all of our hearts, thank you. Together, we are making a difference till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns.